At Alina Health, we care about your health and wellness. Learn how Alina Health provides care that can benefit you in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. Pre-diabetes is often called borderline diabetes, and it occurs when a person's blood sugar levels are higher than normal, but not high enough to be considered full-blown diabetes. My guest today is June Van Valkenburg. She's a certified adult gerontology nurse practitioner at Alina Health Adena Clinic. Welcome to the show, June. Tell us a little bit about pre-diabetes and how does that differ from diabetes type 1 or 2? Well, what prediabetes is, it's a condition where the blood sugar is a little bit elevated, but it's not elevated high enough to give you a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Um, Type 1 diabetes is usually found in children and young adults, and in type 1 diabetes, the pancreas just stops producing insulin, and people always have to go on insulin injections. Type 2 diabetes is the most common form of diabetes, and it's a chronic condition which affects the way your body metabolizes glucose, and there is some insulin resistance that develops, and the body doesn't create enough insulin like it should. Prediabetes is actually a precursor to type 2 diabetes, and there's really no such thing as borderline diabetes anymore, but... um, Prediabetes is related to inactivity and excess weight. And what it really is is a warning sign um, to our bodies that they're going down the wrong metabolic pathway. It's similar to a flashing yellow light when you're driving. So when the light is green, you can keep going. But when it's turned yellow, it's a warning that you need to stop. And that's what prediabetes is. So really only about 1 in 10 are aware that they even have prediabetes, and this is kind of staggering to me. So tell us how a listener would know that they are, you know, at risk of getting full-blown diabetes, that they're subject to prediabetes, and how would they even know what their blood sugar levels are? Well, most people don't know what the risk factors are for prediabetes, but being overweight, a BMI higher than 25, being inactive, our family history of diabetes, or having had gestational diabetes in pregnancy all put you at higher risk for prediabetes. Um, but the only way to know would be to have a blood test done. So are there symptoms that would show up that would send someone to their doctor to get checked? Oftentimes there is no symptoms of prediabetes. People might complain of a little fatigue or malaise. Sometimes there's some um, darkening of the skin, a skin condition called acanthosis nigricans, but um, most often people would not have any symptoms. The classic symptoms of diabetes, such as unusual thirst, unusual urination, weight loss, don't show up in prediabetes. So there are some factors. Certainly with diabetes, there is a genetic factor involved. But what about with prediabetes, and are there certain factors that we can control? Um, There are are some genetic factors, such as um, family history of diabetes, body type, age over 45, certain ethnic groups, such as African American, Hispanic, American Indian, Asian American or Pacific Islander, 
all those genetic factors can put someone at higher risk. The factors that we can control are being overweight and inactivity, and that's the main problem in America with prediabetes. So what would you advise as your most important information, June, for people who suspect or are told that they are prediabetic, and what would be their first step towards preventing full-blown diabetes? The first thing they should do is just um, go into their uh, clinic and have a fasting blood sugar and a hemoglobin A1C checked. The fasting blood sugar gives you a measure of what their blood sugar is at that point in time. The hemoglobin A1C is a really nice test. It measures the amount of glucose that attaches onto a red blood cell. And since a red blood cell has a life of of 90 days, it gives us a reading of what that blood sugar reading has been over the last 90 days. Then what if somebody gets that diagnosis? What does that mean for their future? It's not definitive that they will get diabetes from this diagnosis, correct? That's correct, but it's a diagnosis of prediabetes is exactly where we want to find people. We should be diagnosing them there rather than when they become diabetic, mainly because they can make some changes. They can make some lifestyle changes that can prevent the development of diabetes. And what we know um, now is when a person is diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, at that point in time, they have already lost 50% of their beta cell function. The beta cells are cells in the pancreas that control glucose metabolism. So for about 10 years before the diagnosis of diabetes, these beta cells have been becoming less and less active. So by the time that diagnosis is made, 50% of that function is already lost. So we want to make the diagnosis 10 years earlier and and make some changes. It's a a sign to us that it's a time to make a U-turn when you get an elevated blood sugar in the pre-diabetic rate. We don't want to keep going straight ahead. We've got to turn around and make some major changes in lifestyle. So if those beta cells are damaged or destroyed and making them resistant to the actions of insulin in the blood, then is there a way to prevent type 2 diabetes from coming on? It doesn't mean that they're going to get it, right? Well, the best information we have on prevention of type 2 diabetes is a study that was done called the Diabetes Prevention Program. That was done in 2002 And that was a randomized control trial of more than 3,000 people. What they did in that study was they put a third of the people into a lifestyle intervention group where they worked on diet, exercise, weight loss, and lost around 7 to 10% of their body weight. A third of the group were put on a medication that's oftentimes used to treat type 2 diabetes called metformin and then a third of the group were put in a control group. What they found was that the people in the control group ended up developing diabetes at a rate of 11% per year. So basically, if you do nothing, in nine years, 99% of those people had type 2 diabetes. The treatment group with the medication, the metformin group, 
they decrease their risk of getting type 2 diabetes by 31%. And the lifestyle intervention group, and those people who lost maybe 7 to 10% of their body weight, so if you weigh 200 pounds and you lost 20 pounds, for most of those people in this study, they did not get down to an ideal weight, but they lost a little bit of weight and they decrease their risk of developing type 2 diabetes by 58%. That's really amazing statistics. And are there any resources you would recommend to people who are worried about prediabetes? Yes, there are. Um, There's some prediabetes classes taught at the line of clinics by our um, diabetic educators. Um, Also, the American Diabetes Association has um, information on prediabetes on their website at diabetes.org. But one of the best resources is through the YMCA, and what they've done is replicated the diabetes prevention program and made a um, 12-month program consisting of 16 one-hour weekly sessions and then monthly sessions after that and working on diet, exercise, weight loss as the goal. The interesting thing they found with the um, diabetes prevention program was that uh, the lifestyle intervention, it was effective for everyone, men and women, people of all ages, and people of all ethnic groups, and that that lifestyle intervention persisted over 10 years. We have very little medications that have those kind of results. And this is something that people can do for hardly any cost and no side effects. And that certainly is the best information as exercise has that insulin-like effect. So being physically active is certainly one of the best bits of information you're giving here today, June, in just the last minute or so, give your best advice for someone who suspects that they might have prediabetes or has al- has already gotten that diagnosis on how they can change that course or path they're on. Yeah, so the best advice that I can give them is to start exercising and to work up to a goal of 150 minutes a week, so 30 minutes, five days a week. doesn't have to be strenuous. Going out for a walk is great. Um, Working on changing their diet so that it's healthier and that um, to lose weight, they do need to eat less calories than they're burning up. So it usually involves, uh, you know, some calorie restriction along with healthy diet. There's some great community-based programs out there. I think most people know what they need to do to lose weight. It's mainly just getting going on it. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Wellcast by Alina Health. For more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. <music>